0: So this morning's a little bit different. We've got something special for you, myself, and then in a few minutes, Pastor Steve is going to join me up here on the stage. We're going to step out of our series in Romans and bring you something that we've been working on for the last, uh, well, for many, many months, actually. Summer of 2022, I went away for a while and just sort of figured, what is it that we as a church, where do we need to be in the next three, five years, and forming the vision of the church. Our mission, our mission as a church really hasn't changed, but... The vision, the cultural aspect of it has a much sharper focus. Okay. And so months in the making with Pastor Steve and his team. He's gonna again present some things to you, but I'm gonna set it up. And I'm gonna set it up by saying this. Before Jesus left the planet, he gave us our marching orders. He looked at his disciples and he says, This is it. This is the purpose of, of your life. And these men would take it seriously. And as a result, we are here today. So we stand in that tradition. Well, what is it exactly that Jesus said? Many of you might be familiar with it. It's found in Matthew chapter 28. It says this, Go, for, go therefore and make disciples, Jesus tells them, of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So it's my belief that every church should have this passage as its foundational mission. So I don't know, I don't care how you say it, but it's got to have some form of disciple making. So here at Illuminate, our mission statement is this. We exist, we are here. Our mission is to love all people to make disciples and equip them to be on mission for God. That is why we exist as a church. Now, has discipleship been happening here at Illuminate over the last six or seven years? Absolutely it has. We can do better. And really what we're talking about bringing to the church is a cultural shift, a cultural change. Things that keep me up at night as lead pastor, if... Jesus was to if Jesus was to have illuminate community church corporately stand before him I think he would ask this question where are your disciples where are your men and your women mature in the faith where are your disciples Now, you might be thinking, well, isn't every Christian a disciple? Well, as we're about to hear from Jesus himself, discipleship is about obedience. It is a process. It is growth. You hear words like whosoever, free, and gift. And As we've been working our way through the book of Romans, we've encountered these words a number of times. These are the kinds of words you hear when someone first comes to faith in Christ. But the words surrounding discipleship are actually very different. Costly. Sacrifice. Suffering. Denial. The Greek word methetos is the word that gets translated into English as disciple. And it literally means one who learns from another. A disciple learns from another. And it is used 256 times in the New Testament. But it might surprise you to know that of those 256 times it's used, Jesus uses it eight times in a conditional sense, meaning this. He says, you are my disciple if you. He puts a condition on it. Many believers are not aware of this. The call to discipleship, that's what Jesus is saying. This is a matter of obedience. You are my disciple if you. So what I want to do is I want to take a look at some of these statements just to kind of set the stage for what uh, this cultural shift is, is, is about here at Illuminate. And let me preface it by saying this. The Apostle Paul, who gave us much of the New Testament, including the book of Romans that we're going through on Sundays, he actually gives you his personal purpose statement in life. And he says this in Colossians chapter 1. He says, Him, Jesus, we proclaim." And we warn everyone and we teach everyone with all wisdom, that's the wisdom that comes from the scriptures, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So there's this presentation that's going to take place. And what we want to do as followers of Jesus is be able to present those around us, the people that we influence, the people that we disciple as mature. What is it that Jesus is asking of a disciple Well, I'm gonna give it to you. In Luke chapter 14, he lays down some statements, and just to forewarn you, theologians refer to these as the most difficult, the most difficult words that have ever come from Jesus' lips. For example, in Luke chapter 14, he says this: if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes and hate his own life also he cannot be my disciple and so you're you're like wait a minute for me if you knew my family this hatred thing is easy for me All right <laughs> that's not what he's talking about i mean look doesn't jesus tell us to love everybody so why would he say hate mom and dad brother and sister kids what is he talking about jesus is the master communicator he's using hyperbole hyperbole is an overstatement for the purpose of emphasis and what he's saying is this your love for me ought to be so intense and so high that it makes all other earthly loves seem like hatred in comparison <sighs> wow What he's saying is, unless you hold me as the object of your highest affection, you cannot be my disciple. Now that's a commitment. And by the way, it's a really good one. Because those of us that have tried to hold human relationships as the object of our highest affection, we have been badly let down. If your greatest joy is in your children, you're gonna become undone eventually. If it's your spouse, well, you already know how that goes. (laughs) Not that these loves aren't important, of course they are, God created us for them. But they weren't meant to be our ultimate loves. But he's also saying something else is very important. I've experienced this in my own life, here's what happens, you ready? Sometimes these family relationships are the very ones that will keep you from walking the path of discipleship. Sometimes these family relationships will be the very ones that actually prevent you, inhibit you from walking the path of discipleship. Personal relationships can conflict with the call. And we see examples of this. In Luke chapter nine, Jesus asked this man to follow him, which is pretty remarkable. Jesus as a rabbi, if he asks you to follow him, that's something special. So he asks this guy, he says, come follow me. But the man's response is interesting. He says this, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Right there, a conflict arises and it surrounds what? Family. Essentially what he's saying is, Hey, Jesus, can I just wait until my dad dies? When he dies, then I'll have the time. I don't want to cause any family conflict right now, so I'll just wait till he dies. could be 20, 30, 40 years. I don't know. It could be a while, but let's just, that will be the timing, and then I'll follow you. Here's Jesus' answer. Let the dead bury their own dead. But there's actually something more important in your life and that is to go and preach. You're constantly being preached at. You've heard me say many times, you are constant every time you check something on your phone, you're being preached at. You watch something on TV, you're being you're constantly bombarded with messages. Now, what Jesus says is time for you to be the messenger. Time for you to start preaching. You be the voice of influence. Go and preach the kingdom of God. And he has this in Matthew chapter 10. Don't think that I came to bring peace on this earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. You can insert your own joke there. I mean, it just writes itself, you know. Sometimes those relationships aren't, aren't too hard to separate. Here's what he's saying. People you love the most... At some point, it's possible. They may not want you to do what God is calling you to do. So this happened in my life. Um, When I was in high school and I was running with a certain crowd, I was like, okay, this is it. I'm fully devoting my life to Christ. And some of the friends that I hung out with, they were like, we're out. We don't want to have anything to do with you. Well, the Bible says, if you give anything up in the name of Jesus, it will be returned to you a hundredfold. I literally had 100 more friends, and plus, the quality of those friendships were 100 times better, okay? Because the thing that unites two people, the quality of that thing, will determine the quality of that relationship. So all of a sudden, all my relationships just elevated because the thing that brought us together was Jesus. It can't get any higher quality than that. But there was also an individual that I was very close to, had a huge influence on my life, and loved them very much. And when I, when I told this individual that I was going to go into pastoral ministry, they said, why would you wanna waste your life? And man, that, that affected me. That set me sideways. That got me thinking. <laughs> Is this something I wanna do? Because here's this individual, this man that I really, I trusted him as much as I trusted any other man in my life. And he was interfering with the call of God on my life. You see, if I would have had that relationship in a higher place than my relationship with God, I wouldn't be here now. So this is what Jesus is saying. He's really emphasizing the point. He's not asking for something simple. Okay, the most noble kind of love is the love that you have for your family. Jesus is saying, now just just check yourself now. If you're going to follow me, you might have to sacrifice some of these earthly relationships. And then he goes on to say this in the next few verses. Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Elaborates in Luke chapter 9. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So in Jesus' day, the cross was a radical symbol of death, and he used it to get the people's attention. In our day, we wear crosses on our bodies. In Jesus' day, they put bodies on crosses. It would be like the equivalent of us wearing like little syringes or guillotines around our neck or you know, little gas chambers, something horrific like that. And we'd be like, what is that? Well, that's... That was the symbolism in Jesus' name. So when Jesus elevates it and he's like, you gotta take up your own cross, people are like, what? Deny yourself. The word deny is really interesting in the Greek. It literally means to forsake your claim. It's like you had this claim on things. I claim this, I claim that. You forsake it all. It means dying to yourself. That's what it is. Laying aside your personal goals, desires, ambitions. Laying aside your personal goals and ambitions doesn't mean that you don't have goals and ambitions. What you do is you exchange your earthly, fleshly ambitions and goals for a higher one. A.W. Tozer said this, in every Christian's heart, there is a cross and a throne. And the Christian is on the throne until he puts himself on the cross. And if he refuses the cross, well, then he's gonna remain on the throne of his own life. A few verses later, so likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Everything we have is meant to be stewarded. Christian, we don't possess anything, but we steward it all. And if you're a steward, you enter into discipleship. If you possess again, you will become undone. And there are examples of this, and Jesus tries to tease this out in the life of several individuals that he, he meets with. Um, in Mark chapter 10, there's this rich young ruler that comes to him, and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do you think? You know, what do you think? What, what does the law say? And he quotes the law exactly. You know, he's like, well, I've done all of these things in the law perfectly, and this is where, what he's hoping for Jesus to affirm. And Jesus says, oh, okay, okay, okay. There's one thing, one thing that you lack. So you really haven't kept the law perfectly because the first commandment is to not have any other gods before me and I'm about to press in on your God. You ready? Go and sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor. Come follow me, be my disciple. Oh, and by the way, you're still gonna be rich, but it'll be in the life to come. You'll store up for yourself treasure in heaven. And what happens? Read the rest of the text. Guy leaves. That had become his God. That had become, the object of his highest affection was his stuff. And he wasn't able to surrender it. So if, if things are your... It's paradoxical, isn't it? You go through life, you start life, and you're like, man, I don't have stuff, and I feel really insecure. And so you, you start, you get a job, you get a career, you start to level up, you start to make some money, and you start to acquire more stuff. And you're like, phew, phew, I feel good. I feel comfortable. Now I've got some stuff. I feel like there's safety. And then all of a sudden, what happens? I can't lose this. I can't lose this, because if I lose this stuff, it's gonna make me really insecure. So you get it, and then what happens is, it owns you. It actually ends up owning you. So see, Jesus, Jesus, these are hard words, but they're, the hardest truths produce the softest hearts. So Jesus isn't saying that you have to take a vow of poverty to follow him. But what he is saying is, check yourself, check your heart. And what is it that is keeping you from pursuing me in discipleship? So I'll close with this before I bring Steve up the model of Jesus was not just to teach, but also to show. So you can't make disciples without having disciple makers. And so this is great. So if you're one of the disciples, you would hear Jesus say things like, cast all your anxieties on me. And then they would watch you. And then there was this moment where he's about to go to the cross with extreme anxiety. Text says his sweat became as drops of blood and they saw him live what he preached. Cool study. Open up the scriptures and determine how many times the text tells you Jesus would often go to a solitary place and pray. And you know when he did that? He did that in the heat of ministry when it was, there was a lot going on. He would leave sick people sick. He would leave hungry people hungry. He's like, I got to get away, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna commune with the Father, I'm gonna have some time in prayer, some alone time, I'm gonna recharge, then I'm gonna come back, and then I'm gonna engage in ministry again. If Jesus needed to do it, so do you. He would say, forgive your enemies. They heard him preach it, and then they, at the foot of the cross, word starts to spread, This guy utters words of forgiveness to the people that are crucifying. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They heard him preach it and they saw him do it. That's disciple making. He would say, pray in this way. And then they would watch him go off and pray. And they would hear him. So if the culture of the church is gonna move toward discipleship, then what do we need? We need disciple makers. So I'm gonna have Pastor Steve come up on the stage. This is what he and his team have been working on to kind of lay this out for you, give you the picture of it. And then really the challenge is to have you interact with the spirit of God and to ask God, what is it that you might have for me as part of this church body and what you're calling us to do? So Steve, take it away.
1: Thanks, bud. Good morning. Good morning. If we're going to uh, develop a culture of discipleship at Illuminate Community Church, then we need a disciple shift, hence the name disciple shift. And that's our vision. It's not just to have a few more disciples made here and there, but to create a culture that, that penetrates every single area of ministry here at Illuminate Community Church. We want every single one of you to become a mature disciple of Jesus Christ. We want to see new environments created and developed where our people forge deep, authentic relationships in which they can fully be known and experience the grace and the transforming power of, of Jesus Christ, what it means to be a disciple and follow him in every day, every area of their life. And whether you've just accepted Jesus Christ for the first time a little bit ago, or you've been walking with him for 50 years, this is for you. We're all continually in the process of being transformed by Jesus into his image, and that's his ultimate goal for every single one of us, according to Romans chapter 8. We're all broken, and we're all being made new by by his grace, and we believe that it's Jesus and being disciples of Jesus that ultimately changes everything. Everything. So what is this disciple shift about? Well, it starts with discipleship, and uh, that's a big word. A lot of people have a lot of different def- definitions to it, and we've worked hard as a, as a, a big group of people to try to, to simplify as much as we can as we move ahead, and this morning I'm just laying out uh, what we're beginning to roll out. It's messy. It's going to take several months to fully roll out, but I'll share some things with you about where we're starting this morning. And let's ask the question, what is a disciple? Well, for us, a disciple is simply a person who lives with a passion and the purpose to follow Christ. Passion and purpose are absolutely necessary to do what Jason just talked about, to follow Jesus in the way that Jason just described this morning, to be the way that Jesus wants us to be. We need the passion and the purpose. But how do we do that? How do we follow him? How do we grow as disciples? Well, we believe that what's missing right now is simply more practical tools to help you grow as a disciple or as a discipler. And uh, so that's why we've created what we're rolling out this afternoon, and I'll talk about it in a minute, called Disciple Shift Basics. What is it? It, it's it, it's the, a set of foundational principles, the foundation upon which we as a church are going to create, hopefully, this culture of discipleship. And it's all centered around one simple idea. Are you ready for this? Discipleship is built on one foundation, one idea, and that is that as a disciple, Jesus makes you a new person with a new family on a new mission new person, new family, new mission. This is the understanding of discipleship that we believe is rooted in the gospel and the scriptures. And this will be our framework as we journey through discipleship basics. Jesus makes everything, including you, new. And what we've done then is to say, okay, how do we describe a disciple? What what are the milestones? What's, what's the end game here? How will I know whether I am a disciple, or I'm a growing disciple, or not? And what we've done is we've uh, developed, we've taken all of Scripture, the New Testament specifically, and tried to narrow it down to twelve dynamics. And I know, you know, twelve is a, is not a, a holy number, but what we've done is we've taken the new person, new family, new mission. And we've come up with four statements that we think would describe a growing disciple under each one of those. So first of all, Jesus makes us a new person. What that means is you celebrate your identity in Christ. Well, what does that mean, Steve? Well, that's exactly why we've, dis- we've developed discipleship basics, and you'll be, you'll be invited to be a part of that before too long. And don't worry about all the theological terms or the, the, the big terms today, because we'll explain that to you, And you'll be able to discuss it in, in a group with, with people. But you celebrate your identity with Christ. You also pursue intimacy with Jesus. A maturing disciple is pursuing an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. You study and submit all of your life to the Word of God. And then you have daily formative practices. You know, things like devotions, prayer, Sabbath, etc., Uh, Daily formative practices that shape your heart and character over time. And we're going to help you think those through and and provide suggestions, etc. But it isn't just about you as an individual. Jesus also makes you a new person with a new family. Take a look at the people around you. Maybe you haven't looked at them yet this morning. Um, They're your family. They're your spiritual family. And as a part of that family, and we talk about that a lot, um, you have. To, we understand that a growing disciple experiences that family through community. So a disciple is growing in biblical community. That means you're either in a small group, you're being mentored, you're in a discipling relationship, whatever it is. But you're not living your Christian life on your own in isolation. You'll never grow that way. Secondly, you express love, grace, and forgiveness in all of your relationships. A growing disciple, as a part of a new family, is committed to the church family. We encourage you to be a member of this church, not because, like American Express, it gives you privileges, but because it's your way of saying, I'm all in on this family. I'm going to be a part of this family. I want to live and love with this family, and I want to serve this family. And so that's why we encourage you to jump into membership. So as you you're a new person with a new family, and Jesus gives us, and He gives you a new mission. The minute you accept Jesus Christ, believe it or not, you're on mission. And a growing disciple, a mature disciple, shares their faith without shame. And we'll help you do that. We'll help you put together your story and mix and weave it together with the gospel to share your faith with your neighbors, with your co-workers, whoever, without shame. You also show compassion for those in need. Compassion is not dropping a turkey off at Thanksgiving at the truck. You know, Jesus shows his compassion in Matthew chapter 9, when he's, you know, the the boom of Israel at the time, and he's got tons of people following them. And he stopped one day, and he looked out of all the people that were following him, and it says that he saw them like sheep without a shepherd. Literally, um, they, they had no way out. They were helpless. And it says that he felt compassion upon them. And then he told them to pray to send workers into the harvest. But when it says he felt compassion, that's like that's a, a, an example of onomatopoeia. You know what that is? That's the grammatical thing like bees. What do bees do? They buzz. Okay, well, in the original language, this is onomatopoeia. It literally means his stomach turned over inside of him. Because of the physical, emotional, and spiritual need that he was seeing in the lives of the people around him, Jesus felt and then showed compassion on him. And a growing, mature disciple gets that same sickness in their stomach when they see physical, emotional, and spiritual need. And that's why we're doing local outreach. That's why we're focusing on local outreach in our community, because we know there are people out there with need. We're not doing it just for the sake of doing it. And even more, we're doing it because a mature disciple seeks the welfare of the city. That's something that we see throughout Scripture. And then finally, as a part of that new mission, you are investing yourself in the lives of other people by making disciples new person, new family, and a new mission. It's the kind of vision that that we of a of a disciple that we want to both be and develop as as a church. Every area, every ministry area in the church is being encouraged to integrate these 12 dynamics into their into their relationships, into their ministry areas, their activities, etc. Today, we're unle- unleashing for the community groups these discipleship basics in a 13-week series. This afternoon, our community group leaders and those of you that have been getting the discussion guide, The Radiant, will, will get a, a copy of the discussion guide. But uh, we'll work through, over the next 13 weeks, we'll unveil one of those new dynamics and go a little bit deeper into that. And so uh, you'll have questions for reflection, uh, some lab work, maybe some homework to do, some practical application. And, and I think it'll be it'll really be meaningful um, to you as you go through it. But we believe that anybody and everybody who, who embraces these 12 dynamics of discipleship will really be equipped to live a lifetime of discipleship, of following Jesus in every area of life. This morning, before we go mass with this, we want to call Disciple Makers to get off the bench and come join us. And uh, Jason said it in first service, but many of us have, have not only drunk the milk of the word, but we've been eating on the big fat steak of the word. And we've been growing for many years and we have a lot to give back. And this morning, I want to call you who are willing to lead, who are willing to be disciple makers, who are willing to invest yourself in helping people become new with a new family, and a new mission, and and develop these 12 different uh, dynamics in their lives. I want to call you to uh, think about joining us. On your seat when you came in, there was a card, this blue card. Um, It says Discipleship on the front. On the back, there's a QR code. We want to find leaders for Children's, for Shine, for Club 56, for Junior High, for high school, for young adults, for young marrieds, for men's ministry, for women's ministry, for Cornerstone, for our community groups. And we have four or five different key partnerships with local outreach partners who right now need disciple makers, people who are willing to invest themselves in others to make them become uh, growing disciples. And so if if you scan this QR code, Um, It'll take you to a a PCO registration and you can say, Steve, I'm ready to be a disciple maker. And you can choose the area that you would like to be making disciples in. If you hate QR codes, look for the guy in the funky colored shirt after service out in the lot. And you can actually hand write out uh, an application for, for it as well. And we'll be glad to talk to you about it. Jesus can change an individual's heart in an instant. But discipleship is a lifelong journey of following Jesus, learning about Jesus, loving like Jesus, serving like Jesus, and ultimately leading or discipling like Jesus. Disciple shift basics, which is step one of this new shift of our culture is designed to help you press into these realities to become more of who Jesus wants you to be like him. If we keep our eyes fixed on him, then he'll keep everything else in perspective. This is our aim with discipleship basics to continually come back to the foundational truths of what it means to follow Jesus, the source and center of our Christian lives. Dietrich Bonthoffer has probably said it best. I finish with this Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Jason?
0: Thank you, Steve. So, normally you guys hear me end a service by saying something like, you know, hey, if you're here for the first time, you're hearing these things for the first time, and I, I usually make an invitation for people to respond to what they're hearing from the scriptures if, if they want that opportunity. And I know that during that time, many of you are, are there and you're praying for those people who are making those decisions, but I'm ending in a different way. I have you in mind. I have you in mind. It's exactly what Steve said. I think this church has been blessed with a lot of people who they're, they're at the buffet and they're just devouring a lot of meat. You know, You've been under solid teaching for many, many years and you have a lot to give. And so now my challenge is how can you level up? How can you step into this space and help shape the culture of this church in the way that this isn't Jason's. These are not new thoughts to me or Steve. These are coming straight from the scriptures. This is what we're called to do. So that is my challenge to you this morning is where do you fit into this space? And I'm really hopefully I'm hopeful that you will pray and seek the Spirit of God as, as he impresses something upon your life to answer that call. So pray with me. Father, our desire is to please you in all that we say and all that we do. And if there's one thing that this world needs more of, it's people who imitate the life of Jesus. And Lord, that's what you're calling us to. Father, I pray that you would remove any fears or doubts that we might have. And Lord, as we begin to step into this space, God, you would just bless us for it, Lord, because there is no greater way than the Jesus way. You end up at the end of your life having no regrets and experiencing the kind of life that Jesus came to give us, that abundant life, Lord. Pray that you would lead us in all things according to your spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ and God's people said,
1: amen.